Welcome, party people. It is yours truly, the ever-inimitable Robert J. Kudowski, and I am flanked by one of my favorite people, and we've gone through this before, but I cannot sing her praises enough. A pan unto the gods. This is... <laughs> I'm Roxanne Guarino. Hi, everybody. Rob, thank you so much for that very flattering introduction. Um, I think I just upped myself from the last time that I just I think you you. did. You're, tu you're, tu you're turning my head, you know. Um, thank you. Well, from uh, one writer to another. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Roxanne Guarino. Um, this is my second time on Rob's show. I'm yes. a writer and actor, mm -hmm. and uh, it's great to be here. Thank you again, Rob. Yes. Artist par excellence, if Thank you will. You. Uh, but we, what we were just talking about before I royally fucked this up was <laughs> uh, basically just the downfall of, of Joss Whedon. And you were saying that like you basically he was never on your radar to begin with. I was very aware of him. I was very aware of his his creations, obviously, Buffy and Firefly and the Avenger. Yeah. You'd have to be living under a rock to not. Oh yeah, especially if you're like a nerd. It's kind of like that's those are those are where the cool kids are at. Exactly, the nerdy cool kids. Yeah, the nerdy cool kids, which is an oxymoron. Very much so. Um, I was I was aware of those things, and I liked I liked some of the ideas in Buffy, but I was never a regular watcher because his type yeah. of humor was not not exactly my humor. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, everybody had their own reasons, but, you mm -hmm. know, when, when all of this came out yesterday and when we initially, uh, got to the accusations of his, his misogyny and his poor mm -hmm. treatment of actors, I mean, for me, it was a little like, oh no, who is it this time? Who, who's it going to be this time? Because I mean, it's just been, there's just been yeah. so many people, but, yeah. um, you know, f based on, I was a little shocked when I when I read about what happened yesterday. I wasn't shocked mm -hmm. at the extent of what he had done or what he had done. Mm -hmm. More more about his reaction because it was very. Uh, he yeah. seemed all. Uh, I, I, if I'm talking too much, you can. No 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 no. He, please go on. He was being very disingenuous. He was. He was I think like, so too. Yeah, it was almost like he was dissociating mm -hmm. from the experience. Um, yeah. Because because he didn't want to own up to it, but the way he talked about it was almost like he was saying, "Oh, I didn't do that. You know, some someone else did that. I'm not yeah. bad. I and uh, I don't know. It's like, but I'm glad that you also thought he was being extremely disingenuous. Oh, because, extremely. Yeah. 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 And the the funny thing is that, and I think you and I could both sort of um, not appreciate, but we could sort of level on the terms of okay so we're proud we're writers we're proud of our writing mm -hmm. that's basically the only thing he's proud about and i said this like in a facebook post like i don't really remember m most of his writing i know he was very florid in his writing that's totally cool i mean that's how i used to be when i started writing and started doing screenplays and whatnot but that's not the be all and end all and to say that Gal Gadot was not hitting the page right because English is her first isn't her first language, it's kind of a shitty thing to say. It, it is. It's also like 
very, very culturally, city. very culturally insensitive to say oh, to some easily from from any country that is mm. not your country. Yeah. To say, oh, it's because you don't speak English. That's just very offensive and rude. It's it, it it's like the the most base thing of human decency to say. Okay, well, you know what maybe they didn't get it or maybe like there was a little cultural shift and they're like my language couldn't like there's so many ways that you could have gone about it but the thing is that apparently in his mind it's just word to the page and that's it and that's how you have to say it and that's not how to be especially if you're directing somebody that's Mm -hmm. not how to be a good director it's kind of like you can change the words on the page. Sometimes they make them better. I mean, you're not the end all. You're not the alpha and omega on this show. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. As somebody who has seen their writing performed by other actors and as somebody who's done a little bit of directing herself. I mean, again, I'm not mm-hmm. nearly on par with millions of other people who have directed things. But when I first, I've directed like three plays. And when I first started, I was just sweating because it was like, I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. And the best advice I got was to just trust your actors. It's like, you'll right. know when you need to be like, hey, we need to be hitting this one point a little harder. But for the most part, if, you, if you're confident that your actors are the best person for the job, they will mm. already know what to do. And it sounds like he, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's worked with some very talented, wonderful people over the mm. course of his career, but it sounds like he's just never been that way with people. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't seem like a people person. It's like, Alright, if you're not a people person, that's totally cool if that's what you want to be, but don't throw anybody else under the bus just because, like, your movie sucks shit after, like, after Zack Snyder left or anything like that. Don't blame anybody but yourself. For real, and honestly, honestly, I feel like a lot of the tricks that he relied on for mm-hmm. a lot of early hits like the kind of quirky dialogue yeah. that he would do again not my thing but a lot of people really really like that but mm-hmm. i think a lot of people started imitating him yeah in in some ways and now he's not an innovator anymore mm-hmm. and he can't really fall back on a lot of what he used to do because it's not very new and it's not very interesting and maybe Maybe he's realizing that perhaps he's painted himself into a corner here. What's also interesting is that the one that he really went off on, besides besides Mr. Fisher, who mm-hmm. I mean that yep. was that was really unfortunate. But the person, that was uncalled for. That was absolute. That was just really uh, just uh, inappropriate and yeah. upsetting and disturbing. Yeah. And um, but it was the person that you mentioned initially, uh, Rob, was Gal Gadot. Yeah. And, What's interesting about that is what, you know, because of course, what character does she play? She plays Wonder Woman. And his Wonder Woman script got leaked a few years ago when he was going to write the Wonder Woman movie. And it's just an absolutely sexist piece of oh, trash. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 and like it, to the, uh, the dear audience, I want no part of the script, but I absolutely want to read it just to see how big of a train wreck this oh could possibly be. God. He like just starts by describing how hot she is when when she's introduced. Oh God! On when she's introduced. like I need a shower right now just before you said that. <laughs> it's 
it's gross. Yeah. And like when on the page where she's introduced, he goes on and on and on about how hot she is, and he says like. He said, I don't remember the exact words. I don't have it in mm. front of me. It says something like, the girl, to say nothing, is beautiful. I'm like, yes, Joss. Oh. You know, we really didn't need you to tell us that or to go on and on about it for three more paragraphs in a really creepy, sweaty way. But I guess that's yeah. what you're going to do. And <laughs> it, the, the funny thing, because I don't want to ruminate on him too much longer. Sorry. We've gone... No, no, no. I mean... That's my fault. We've gone two minutes too long on this. But the one thing that I do want to say, and I thought about this recently, uh, just from because uh, one of my uh, first screenwriting classes uh, for how to do like a good drama was not not really drama, but like well, dramedy, I guess you could say, was like study Buffy, and it's like, well, Buffy's not really dramedy, but okay. <laughs> I mean, my prof- my professor said, all right, study Buffy, study Joss Whedon. So I was kind of on the fence with it because I'm like, I know Buffy, I like Buffy, but it's not like the greatest. It's not the end all and be all. But um, it's just one of those things where now retrospectively, I think of it as him writing strong women roles but then he could do like behind the scenes all that he wants and then if they come back if the chickens come home to roost then he could say well you know what i wrote strong roles for you i'm pro women and whatnot it's like dude you're not you're not that's kind of the yeah hang the hang the gloves up I agree with you so much, Rob. That was a delightfully concise way of putting it. The way you put it, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's almost like money laundering. Like, I'm not. It is. It is. That's a also dealer. a good concise way of doing. Yes, saying I'm that. not a drug dealer. Look, I run yeah. this restaurant. I yeah. don't sell drugs. I'm not yeah. a misogynist. Yeah. Giving all these women this wonderful work. It's like, huh? yeah, that, that that that's your money laundering. <laughs> I just like funnel it. That's it. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. My hands are clean. Uh, but outside of like the sturm and drang, that stupid upheaval of everybody, and well warranted, by the way, upheaval mm-hmm. of everybody mm-hmm. going on uh, there, I'm sure you have a few things to ask me, too. Oh, yeah. I just, uh, there's just so much going on. There's just mm-hmm. so much on right now and um we had another great season of what we do in the shadows oh yes 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 very much so Mm -hmm. Uh, i love that show oh me too it's so good and i actually do coverage of it on the workbird.com um i've I've covered both uh seasons do you know when there's a third season coming out I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure either. I tr- try to keep up with, like, all the um, the rags and everything like that, but no clue. But, dude, Matt Berry is the best. Oh, my God, he's so great. He's, he's, such, he's such a gem. He's such mm-hmm. a gem. He can make just his delivery of a line can, mm-hmm. just, can just turn any line into the most memorable line. Yeah. In an episode, and he he really he he it's it's weird. His character is often very absurd and mm-hmm. fr- frequently inappropriate, but he has he has these yeah. moments of real pathos that we've seen mm-hmm. the past oh, yeah. couple of seasons, which is also really interesting because he has like 
he, he has that kind of quality that the other characters really don't have so much. He, he tends to like get like spasms of being very affectionate to others, and the other characters don't. Oh, necessarily... especially Colin Robinson. I mean, um, Colin, Colin <laughs> seems to like actively dislike most people, but yeah. he. Laszlo seem to have a real affinity for one another. I'm going to say the bromance of the sweet. century. Um, so sweet. So sweet. Yeah. Oh and my god, like, can I just say, like, yeah, this is a yeah. spoiler here, mm-hmm. my friend Ben called exactly what was going to happen to Colin at the end of the season. He described oh, really? it. What if, like, can I say what happens? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, spoilers. All right, fine, spoilers, go ahead. Yeah. He said, well, what if what if Colin's not really dead? I was like, well, I think he's not really dead. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Ben is like, what if what if Colin turns into a weird baby? What if that happened? And I was like... And he called it, wow. Yeah, I was like, yeah, right. Then exactly that happened. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> he should have really put money on that because he, he would be... Should, a, oh, my God, he would have won. A rich, won rich man. So oh, my God. Wow, Yeah. No, and, and the funny thing is, I think that was kind of like the interesting turning point of the entire series. I mean, granted, yes, you had your like bottle episodes and well, most of the episodes are kind of bottle episodes because they're all in the same house. But it's just one of those things where it's kind of like, all right, I want all all these people together. Now, they mm-hmm. all can't be together. And I think in this upcoming season, they're going to split off a little bit more, which I would like. I would like their own episodes. Like, for instance, the Jackie Daytona episode, which is one of my favorites. So good. Because it was like one of those offshoots where it was like, all right, uh, we just now go on to on to Laszlo. And that's it. And the show almost, the show honestly becomes sort of a different show for that episode mm-hmm. because you don't really see the other characters. The tone yeah. is, it's got the same type of humor, but it really doesn't feel like any other episode of the show. And not just because the other characters aren't around. There's just situations that wouldn't be happening yeah. in other episodes of the show because mm-hmm. it's so contained and it's so ingrained into the personalities of these quirky mm-hmm. characters. But that Laszlo doesn't have that to play off. So that's what made that episode really interesting. I do have to ask you, though, uh, because, like, we're such fans. Have you ever watched Wellington Paranormal? You know, that is one of those shows that I've been meaning to go back to because I started, I watched 10 minutes of it. I thought it was pretty funny. And then then I think I went away on vacation and then mm-hmm. I didn't and then I didn't finish watching it because I don't I don't I don't have cable. I yeah. watch it at. I would watch it at my mom and dad's house mm-hmm. when I would visit them, but then I never went. I never went back to it. What's what streaming service is that on? Um, oddly enough, the only uh, way that um, because my girlfriend's uh, friend actually has Plex, so we could actually watch it on Plex for those of you <laughs> who, or yeah, those of you who have Plex. I think it's called Plex, right, or something like that. Um, no, he has, like, a weird streaming service. But uh, the weird thing is that I think a couple of months after the second season of What We Do in the Shadows went, uh, not off the air, but when it uh, just finalized, the CW actually started airing the first season of yeah. Wellington Paranormal. 
That's and, where I asked my mom to tape it for me. Yeah, I I'm, I'm gonna say that it's it's funny, but it's a like if you're th- looking for like what we do in the shadows type of funny, it's a different type of funny. It's a very <laughs> very low key type of funny. It's still extremely hilarious. But if you're looking for like gut busting laughs and everything like that, side splitting shit, then may I kindly direct you to something else. Yeah. There were a lot of good episodes of what we do in the shadows this season, but mm. I really like the one where they went to Atlantic City. That was a really oh, funny Yes. Yes. And you know what, I mean both of us from Jersey, I mean it's one of those things where like we've been there. We know Oh yeah. Like that that that, that weird depression of okay i'm out at night it's like 12 a.m it's 1 a.m and or fucking drunk or at least i was Uh, but it it is just like one of those things where it's kind of like all right we see the night owls come out Uh uh-huh and that's it and apparently nandor loves big bang theory slots I love i love him trying to interpret big bang theory and getting everything (laughs) Wrong. Oh yeah! Oh no! Yeah, him and him and Colin, because yeah. like they draw all over the walls, and they like they literally make probably I think if you were to pause those scenes and look at the walls, they probably make a good point, even yeah. better than the Big Bang Theory did. Absolutely! Oh my gosh! Also, Nandor just saying like bazinga is the war cry of their call leader <laughs> yes, shell yes, yes reminds me of uh my 92 year old grandfather who is not a persian vampire for the record <laughs> yeah watch, watch it watching the big bang theory mm-hmm. religiously on television and i'm like does does grandpa even really know what a lot of these guys are talking about does grandpa grandpa never watched star trek or anything like yeah, that yeah <laughs> Like, it's just like my grandpa was a Marine, and he's just like, oh, this is fun. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that that is, like, almost the perfect thing. It's kind of like an old Marine. Like, he's seen some shit, and now yeah. he's just, he's happy with watching something that makes him happy. He, yeah. he doesn't have to understand it. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that he's happy, and that means, like, it, when Guillermo took him off the, like, the the slots i'm like oh come on Gibbo, let him let him part for a little, little bit more come on you can do yeah. that oh my gosh yeah gizmo come on <laughs> but but i do uh want to and i guess we're gonna go from one thing we started off with controversial then we went with happy now i want to go and I don't know how you feel about this, if you have any thoughts about this, onto something else controversial, which is the Cowboy Bebop remake. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot. I've heard uh, heard a lot about the Cowboy Bebop remake. I know when it was about to come out and it hadn't come out yet, people were really excited about it. And I remember seeing... Yeah, I remember seeing a photo of John Cho in character as Spike and thinking like, "Hey, yeah. that looks pretty. That was pretty fucking cool." Yeah. And um, I was like, "That's that's cool casting. I like Cowboy Bebop. I haven't watched it like since I was thirteen, but like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, could be fun, you know." Um, and uh, <laughs> and then, then I didn't. 
I didn't watch it because, like, I I was I've I've been like re- I've been like really busy uh, like the past couple of months. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think around Christmas when people were a little like, oh, we better batten down our hatches is like the only time in recent memory where my life has really slowed down, in, especially in terms of like fandom and stuff. But mm. then when it came out, people were saying all these negative things like, I don't get why they're changing it. Like, why did like why like this like why is this one character evil now and then they weren't I mean, people yeah. were really disappointed people were really disappointed uh as somebody who's seen it all the way through i'm actually kind of torn mm. because i love i adore the series yeah and i mean it's it, got to it, follow it for a reason yeah it definitely does Shinichiro Watanabe has like a very very staunch following for a very good reason but it's just one of those things where it's kind of like alright alright well what if this could be translated somehow into live action now John Cho I will give him his props he tries his damnedest to be Spike Spiegel and Mm -hmm. he actually does I'm gonna be honest kind of a good job he actually does a good job and all the other actresses or actors and actresses they do what they were worked what they were dealt the hand that they were dealt they did a good job as well yeah so I think it really came down to the scripts uh, the scripts really weren't that great but Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where, for me, uh, the the series itself kind of dealt with a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of levity, a little bit of mm-hmm. drama. It like dealt. It was multi. Just it, it it just ticked off all the boxes. Now this one, oddly enough, it was way more violent than. <laughs> than the actual series so i'm like all right so does blood equal content like i I never got it it's weird because yeah yeah, i think you're right it's like it's not as violent as some other anime that i've seen Mm. certainly well attack on titan yeah i mean that's that's a whole nother level right there but um, i think people think that something is more quote-unquote adult if they put a lot of gore into it, which of course is really not always the case. It's like, I'm not sure we needed to really push this onto Cowboy Bebop. Like, it's for adults now. Yeah, or or add like a couple of F words in. It's kind of like, was that necessary? You don't. I really don't think so. I don't even think that really is in in accordance with like anything about the tone of the original. Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a kid show, but it wasn't very in your face about that it wasn't tarantino-esque exactly there you go and that's what they tried to make it out to be and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh and plus vicious his like first of all uh when i initially saw even before the series came out i saw his hair and like that's clearly a wig (laughs) and and a lot of people said this very same thing they co-signed but it was just in concordance with me uh, they're like, well, we don't really like Vicious, so if we don't like Vicious, and Vicious is supposed to be one of the main through lines of the entire series, then how are we going to like Spike? How are we going to like the entire story? 
and mm. they try to go through some they try to do uh, and this is also where it failed I believe because they tried to do the Watchmen thing do you know uh, what, do you know what I'm talking about I think so but I think you better spell it out for anybody who's listening okay okay uh, basically they tried to go too like closely to the source material mm. and they just failed because they went on like exact shots of the anime and it's like no I mean that's why personally and I don't know if I talked to you about this I, I've definitely talked about this on, on one of my podcasts but the Watchmen the HBO series the Watchmen that's yeah. where they got it right because they didn't go on that they took like a different turn on that and they made it so much more palpable yeah. so much more palpable Watchmen is not a shot for shot update no nor it should it be and no it absolutely shouldn't be I don't I think that it made sense to take those themes mm-hmm. and put them on a story that could be part of that universe yeah. but not do something that everybody's already seen and everybody mm-hmm. already knows. Yeah. And, uh, especially since, for good or for ill, we even already had a big screen adaptation of Watchmen, so just rehashing that would have made no sense. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's the weird thing. It's kind of like apparate of just, all right, well, we have one entity let's go with another entity let's try to keep the structure of it if we could if we could but it's not going to work out that way just do it differently Mm -hmm. I'm going to be nerding out right now but I'm going to say as Miles Morales says do it differently for me (laughs) I like it I I had to throw that out but if you don't mind uh, we can move on I want to know another thing that uh, you want to bring up okay yeah I have I have some bullet points here Um, yeah please yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna get into something that me and a lot of my friends uh, especially my friends who are like me and really really nerdy really into fandoms and Mm -hmm. uh, really passionate about what we love and things is uh is just uh, shows with good queer representation. Yes, um, yes. Shows with good queer representation mm-hmm. because I think this is becoming more and more a part of the mainstream. Again, for good or for ill, you know, you could, like, the optimist in me wants to say, oh, people are being way more accepting than they were when I, a queer person, was growing mm-hmm. up. And yeah. um, But then there's also... It's oh they're quoting they're they're quoting the rainbow market they know that it's good business sense so is it tokenism are they trying too hard yeah. Then, yeah. then there's people that don't try at all so mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that me and my friends like it's kind of all over the place there's good ones and then there's bad ones and then there's some where it's kind of good in some places and not good in other places but like uh what, what what's your experience with this um honestly. <laughs> I have been into, and this is going to sound not necessarily funny, but I mean, you're going to get a laugh out of this. Okay. Okay. So when I was probably around seven, mm-hmm. uh, I watched, I don't know how I got my hands on it, but I watched Pink Flamingos. Oh my God. And I was immediately in love with Divine. They're amazing. <laughs> Divine is amazing, and I'm like, all right, 
it, it, it was not like one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, that's that's somebody that doesn't look like me. No, it was kind of like this person is fucking awesome, and that's kind of like where I was raised. It, the funny thing is that I'm honestly an atheist, but oh, my, me too. It's okay. <laughs> no, that, that, but it, in context, my mother is catholic so being raised as that sort of like well uh they have very staunch rules and whatnot and it's kind of like all right well i want to dress like a woman one halloween okay i mean she really didn't care and it wasn't until like i and it's not like i was really i mean i was dressing in drag of course but uh it wasn't until like i really started putting makeup on where it's kind of like all right, uh, this guy is serious. Now, if I could do drag professionally, I would. The only thing is that that shit costs a lot of money. Oh, it does. I still believe in you, Rob, but it does cost a lot of money. <laughs> it does. Well, I mean, you've seen my, like, for those of you that um, haven't seen my countenance, uh, you've seen my actual uh, picture of death that I've done this past Halloween. You look cute, yeah! I was a 1920s dev. Yeah. Which apparently everybody seems to like. Um, I need to lighten up on the, a little bit of the makeup, but I had somebody else do it because I'm really, like, I, I could poke myself in the eye when it comes to makeup, so... Oh my god, yeah. Rob, I was shitty. I was shitty at eye makeup for years and I was yeah. assigned... And I was assigned female at birth, so people were like, it's in your mm -hmm. DNA, you have to know how to do this. Yeah. Like, no, no, so, so many of us have no idea what the fuck we're doing, okay? <laughs> and yeah, but it's just one of those things where, like, personally, like, I think as of, like, the last, I don't even know, couple of years, it's kind of like, you are who you are. Like, I don't see, like, I see you as a human being. And if you're a good human being, then I like you. If you're a shitty mm -hmm. human being... Not so much. That's it. That's that's the entire thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, does that make any sense? No, it absolutely uh, does. It absolutely no, yeah, and I will dress you as you want to be addressed. Yeah, it absolutely does. I was just like asking, uh, like, is there a show that you think has good queer representation or has bad queer representation? Uh, I can't wow. say for the bad queer representation i think you could speak more to that uh than i can i think mm -hmm. good i'm trying to think i had one like in the back of my brain and now um i'm still trying to think of it but uh, if you want to take the reins on this please okay um yeah so uh oh I'm... oh wait hold on hold on hold on hold yeah. on um I'm, I'm queer holding. representation uh chicken birdie oh yeah yeah i love that show Okay, I, I just, I knew there was at least one that I could, because it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, a, it's obviously not a romance, it's a friendship, but one is queer, the other is straight, but yeah. they seem to make it work out, but there's so much uh, mentally that goes on in the series, and mental health wise, it, it's almost heartbreaking sometimes it is and i love i love that that show is adult animation uh mm -hmm. about women and uh that I, I love that like a positive female friendship is at the forefront here that's really nice i love the animation style mm -hmm. 
and I think the voice acting is really good. It's just it's a show that just has a lot of interesting things. Mm-hmm. It's adult, but it's not adult the way Family Guy is adult or Robot Chicken or something or Rick and Morty yeah. or that mm-hmm. nature character driven. But it's just it has a lot to recommend it. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> uh, so uh, please continue with uh, your recommendations. On this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm queer for those of you that don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm 33 and I'm, I'm pansexual and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a, I'm a And demi- all you haters, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off. And, uh, I'm pansexual and I'm a demigirl. Um, so, um, just, you know, for anybody mm-hmm. who's not familiar with that term, you know, you could pause it and go, go Google it. Yeah. Um, um, but so I'm not... I get that a lot, and you know, I'm assigned female. Uh, I'm assigned female at birth, and my pronouns are she/her. But I also use they/them, although not as often. But uh, so, mm. I get it. I don't. This this doesn't seem like I'm. You know, some I, I would. I people would consider me feminine looking. So I I don't think this affects me in quite the same way as it does other people. But since coming out, and I only came out like two years ago. Yeah. Um, since coming out, it is something that I notice a lot more, especially because a lot of my friends and loved ones mm-hmm. are queer or, you know, just gender nonconforming in some way. And so naturally it does. And, you know, a lot of people that I know like me are just really passionate about what they watch and what they read. So I, I do notice it more. Um, there's times where it just feels like people are doing the bare minimum and they want to pat yeah. on the like Disney it's like this is our 25th first gay character ever and the character will not not be identifiably queer in any way like they won't be in a relationship of any kind let alone yeah. Yeah. with someone of their own gender or they'll be vaguely stereotypical in some way mostly I'm thinking of Josh Gad's character in Beauty and the Oh Beauty. yeah <laughs> yeah where it's like you know we're mm. so progressive and I was it's like it's to me what's weird is like the film actually had a gay director and they're like this is so progressive and when you watch the movie it just really isn't it really it, yeah it, no i i totally got that it's just it, i'm like i'm like you know hey uh look lefou man we don't want <laughs> you <laughs> well i mean you know what lefou is in french the fool the fool so yeah i mean there's a reason for that yeah, yeah. Oh. But um, then they had uh, I didn't I didn't see this movie because it it sounded like you know, Cruella I did not I did not see Cruella even though I am a oh you didn't fan. see Cruella come on that movie I, rules okay I'm we're gonna agree to disagree <laughs> I don't it doesn't really look that good but I know I know they wanted to make the one character who they said was queer a drag queen but he's not a drag queen he just no uh, okay okay in terms of that I. I will agree. I mean, if you extricate that outside of it, the movie actually is really fucking cool. Is it? Okay. It is. And it has okay. one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard in a Disney movie. Because it's not like one of those... It, it's not like original score or anything. Like, it actually goes within like the 60s. It has a lot of 60s vibes. Okay. I mean, literally, when... And yeah, spoiler alert, fine. When Cruella first comes into her shop drunkenly, or no, not drunkenly, after drunkenly, 
off her ass. She comes into the doors uh, one to five, I believe. Oh, wow. Is it? And, like, it just, like, the way that it's shot and stuff like that. And I'm sorry, Paul Walter Hauser. You're, like, I really championed you. And that's another thing for another. Because uh, he plays uh, one of the one of the uh, the people that's on Corella's side. But anyway, uh, no, I mean, it was amazing. And they have an amazing, and it's not really a one-shot, but, like, they make it to look like it's a one-shot in a London fashion house. And if anybody knows me, I am super into fashion. And I don't even know why I wasn't born gay. <laughs> like, even my girlfriend's like, you should be gay right now, right? Well, I'm just about to kiss you. Are you going to say that? You should be gay right now, right? I mean, for the right I will price. say you're all, I will say you're always dressed to impress, Rob. I well, can't th- speak th- to th- your th- personal life, but no, you're always dressed. <laughs> no, to- no, yeah, of course. Thank you. No, I, I, I just like to dress nice. I, th- that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But, um, but that's what I liked about the movie. It was very fashion-oriented because that was the whole theme. It has a very cool. It is a very cool look. My friend is even making me an outfit that's based on one of the patterns that they sell from the movie. I'm not saying the movie doesn't have a cool look. I'm just saying, I heard that they wanted to put a drag queen in the movie, but Disney said they could do it, and that yeah, kind of yeah, it's politics and shit like that. It bug it bugged me. Um, that that actually bugged me too because I'm like, really, just be bold. I know, just just do it. Oh my god, just do it. Like Disney mm-hmm. has a show that actually has a lot of really nice queer representation, which is the Owl House, which is a. Have you heard of you that? Know, I've always been wanting to like. I see it on TV sometimes, but I've never actually watched it. It's a kid show, and there yeah. are definitely some. Episodes I love the that, art style. The art style is very cool, and there are definitely some episodes that are better than others. There are some mm-hmm. episodes that feel a little like filler. But the the characters uh, the characters are are well developed mm-hmm. as the show goes on, and it has it has some cool world building. And I just again like as somebody who struggled with their sexuality for a long time and was on the receiving end of a lot of homophobic bullying when they were a kid. Although again, not nearly as bad as some other kids. Um, it's just really nice that Disney is making a cartoon for kids where the lead character is a girl who's in love with another girl. And they, yeah, that's they, awesome. They are identified as such. I mean, I don't believe they've kissed on the lips, but on the show, they they go on dates, they dance with each other, they hold hands. They yeah, I mean, put two and two together. They they refer to each other as as you know, like, will you go on a date with me? Will you be my girlfriend? Again, yeah. So, but like, just, you don't even have to have like the like right pow on the mouth kiss you could literally just infer from that these people are in love and it is it's all about uh, how they relate to one another and like the beautiful thing about love is it knows no boundaries (laughs) like why like and I'm going to I'm going to quote Twin Peaks oh love it saying fix your hearts or die love it yes absolutely delightful um i love love twin peaks one of my favorite shows ever yeah. so that was a nice quote rob but yeah no i love the owl house i love that the owl house also has disney's first non-binary character who is mm-hmm. actually voiced by a non-binary actor and that's very cool and um i love that uh, i just got done watching season four of cobra kai and was really angry because they promised us 
queer representation on the show this year, and we barely got any. It was just from some tertiary characters, including one who broke up with her girlfriend to go back to dating a boy, which, again, like, this is really... It seems kind of, like, regressive, I guess. This seems really regressive, and as for her ex-girlfriend, it's like, well, she hits on a girl in one scene, but you don't see her actually being queer with anyone who reciprocating that and it really bothers me it also bothers me because most of the characters on the show are gen z kids in high school i'm like are you telling me that not what and because it's like there's a ton of these characters it's like you're telling me that Mm -hmm. every single one of these gen z kids they're you know they're you know the the type of kids that are out on tiktok right now Mm -hmm. talking about how gay they are talking about how trans they are are all cisgender and everybody but these two girls who are again kind of off to the sideline and one of them really only comes up when the one guy's talking about his girlfriend these two characters the only ones that are not straight that, that makes day. no bloody that, sense. No bloody so sense. It's difficult to believe. Why are you doing this to yeah. me, Cobra Kai? Why the <laughs> fuck are you doing yes. this? To me? Yes. I'm pissed. Yes. Okay. Now <laughs> we're going to soothe the room down a little bit. I'm sorry. And no, no, no. Uh, and I'm transitioning <laughs> too. Oddly enough, like today I'm on fire, apparently. Um, so. I don't know if you have. I, I believe it's HBO. You don't have HBO, correct? You're talking about like or, HBO Max or HBO Max. I mean, I have HBO, so I have HBO Max for free. But either way, um, there's a series called Music Box. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't actually. What is that okay. about? Music Box is basically documentaries of certain musicians. Now, the only reason I bring this up, because they've done DMX, they've done, like, a few other musicians, is because there's one musician that I would have never thought that I would have liked. I will give you three guesses. Okay. First guess is free. Someone that you thought you never would have liked. Or anybody. Like, in, in the history of cool, awesome music, what is, like, the least cool Thing or person you could think about. Um. Oh boy. Music um, wise. I want to say the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> All right, that's one guess. It's, 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 when you're like things that are not cool. It's like my first, oh, the Backstreet Boys. They're not it's like, Sorry, '90s kids. But um. I think it might. They might have had one on that, but I'm not. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking. I'll I'll guess again. I'll guess again. Um, okay. Oh. Okay. Well, I will help you slightly further. Think. Okay. Of, yeah. Early nineties, early nineties. So early. Backstreet Boys would be like the aughts. Yeah. So like early. Are you thinking about like New Kids on the Block? Uh, no, I'm thinking of like what your parents would listen to. Oh, in the nineties. Oh, like are you talking about like Michael Bolton? Yeah. You're getting warmer. <sighs> um. So that was two. Yeah, that was two. So Michael Bolton. Okay. Um. Yeah, he was my second guess. Um, You're so close. I'm thinking about like my grandma used to listen to John Tesh. Is it John Tesh? <laughs> it's not John Tesh. Okay. Although, yeah. honestly, honestly, and that's three. Like, I love the fact that like I don't know of anybody else 
you could just throw out John Nash just on a whim. So that's so cool. No, it's Kenny G. He was like gonna be my next guest. <laughs> he was gonna be your first. Well, you are. Honestly, you only you only got three guesses. Yeah. But um, there's basically like Music Box is one of those things where it they profile a musician. Now, Kenny G, you'd be like, who the fuck cares about Kenny G? And basically, he's elevator music, which he mm-hmm. is. But the entire documentary, and it's only like an hour and a half, so if you guys can get it, please, please get it. He's so much more than that. And the thing is, like, it's one of those things where he's such a perfectionist, he actually could really give a shit about music, even though he's, like, like a super talented musician. Like, mm-hmm. he could give a shit about music. He's like, I, that's the last thing on my mind. Like, I like golf, I like flying planes, I like doing this, I like doing that. He's just a perfectionist, and that's what you see. You see, like, a weird guy that... Well, I, I shouldn't say weird, because I'm a perfectionist, too, but it, it's just, like, one of those things where it's like, hmm, okay, maybe I like this guy's music. And the funny thing is that in America, we all see his music, or hear his music, as just crap. It's corny, it's cheesy, it's whatever. But he makes billions worldwide. Because sure. everybody else likes his music. And they're like, what's so wrong with the music? It's nice and soothing. It's nice. And there was one quote that, if I can remember correctly, he said, said, I make music that you could conceive your baby to. And I could make music that you could lull that baby to sleep. Gotta love it. One stop shopping. Kenny yeah. J. Yeah. Andy, it's like, this is all I'm going to talk about him, but it's, he's so fascinating. Like, I like him more as a person than I like his music. I think that's awesome. I think it's really cool you were able to learn that much about an artist that you would have Mm -hmm. otherwise overlooked, and that now you feel that you have this better understanding of him. I think that's really cool, Rob. Well, yeah, and I think that's what the documentarian did, too, because... I watched, like, behind the scenes, and she's like, I could give a shit about his music, but he's a fascinating person. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Definitely look it up. I All will. Right. What else do you got for me? Okay. Well, uh, Bring again. it on. All right. Um, so... Uh, I have I have two other bullet points here. We might not get to both of them. So I have one about something I love that's so bad it's good. And then I have one about something that's so great it's awesome. So what would you like to hear about? Uh, do you have somewhere to go? You said we might not get to them. Oh, I was oh, I like I thought we were I thought we were on a time limit. I don't have any No, time. no, no. Fuck. I okay. All I right. Can... So I'll just I'll just go in order yeah. then. Good. Yeah, just good. No, I'm, no, I'm really, I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. I don't have anywhere to be. Yeah. But um, okay. So one of my, one of my obsessions when you know I'm not ranting like a lunatic about bad representation. Ah, we all do. Of, yeah, one of my obsessions. Uh, this pat because, uh, I've always loved, uh, live live theater of, of any kind. I think you knew that about me. I and think I know where you might be going, but continue. 
Yeah, and I mean, live theater is such, uh, you know, I mean, I think we're recognizing its importance now more than ever. Oh, uh, yes. Really? Yes. And it's so vital. And uh, mm-hmm. I was really curious uh, when a little something called Diana popped up on Netflix. Um, mm. just, is this what you thought I was going to talk no, about? No, you just like swerved it the other way. Oh, I threw a curveball at you. I you like did, it. You did. Um, um, <laughs> I, I have had... not seen it. I would like to. I like Kirsten Stewart. Oh, my God. No, no. Um, oh, it, well, <laughs> this, this isn't that movie. Oh, Rob. Is it? Oh. Is it? Okay. Okay. It's not It's not that movie. Everyone's like, oh, Kristen Stewart's playing Princess Diana. So great. I bet she'll win an Oscar. I think that's awesome. I'm really happy for her. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is this is not that thing. This okay. Is... You know what? L- let's spill all the fucking tea right now. Let's all right? do it. The, like, so you've seen it. You're trying to just steer me out of like a bullet so diana the broadway musical which was filmed it was filmed in the empty theater this was this is the princess diana musical it has nothing to do with kristen stewart written by one of the guys from bon jovi written by one of the guys seriously i I mean you can't make this shit up but seriously no i really can't I wrote a book where that happened people would say oh Roxy that's stupid but no this this is a real Broadway musical about the life of Princess Diana and they try to do her whole life from the marriage onward uh, that was written by the guy who wrote the Toxic Avenger and Memphis and his writing partner who wait this can't be serious no this is uh, well let me start at the beginning, Rob. Oh, okay, please let's let's rewind that VHS tape. <laughs> they uh, so this guy who Jody, uh, Jody Pietro is his name, I believe. He mm-hmm. wrote the Toxic Avenger musical, and he helped write the musical Memphis. And mm-hmm. his writing partner is one of the guys in Bon Jovi, and they wrote a musical about Princess Diana and it was going to open on Broadway in 2020. But, you know, we all know what happened there. Mm-hmm. But one of the producers worked for Netflix, so he said, why don't we just film the show in an empty theater with safety protocols? And then we can put it on Netflix and people will see, get to see the show anyway, even if we don't get to open officially. And they said, that sounds like a good idea. But of course, in 2021, to the delight of all, Broadway opened back up again, which is great. And they're still going, which is so awesome, despite... Mm-hmm. Despite oh yeah, all, despite all the odds, but Diana opened anyway while it was still on Netflix. They thought people will watch oh. this on Netflix and then they'll want to go to the theaters. Uh, I gotcha. No, they did not. I yeah. mean, maybe they would have if the show was Hades Town or the premiere of Dear Evan Hansen or you know a lot of other shows that people yeah, really of course. Like. But this is not a show, people. This show, this show's reviews are so bad. You really need to see them to believe. I forget. I, one I review, actually want to see it now. One review of the show that I read said, "This show will make you wish humans did not have the ability to rhyme." <laughs> that's pretty brutal. That's, that's like pretty... right up there with like I remember uh, watching. Well, I don't. Technically, I watch it all the time, but uh, there's a line in this is Spinal Tap where 
<laughs> where Rob Reiner's character, his d- director character, <laughs> is uh, talking about one of the one of their albums, and he was talking about a critic's quote on the album, and he said like, "Why did Spinal Tap uh, do this on the seventh day? And if if that was that seventh day, why could God not correct it or something like that?" Shark sandwich, two words. Yeah, shit sandwich. Shit sandwich. <laughs> okay, so this that you're telling me is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, this, Rob, this show doesn't know whether it wants to be a parody or dead serious. And, like, it's like with, with a woman who died at age 36 in a horrible accident, leaving behind two young children, not knowing whether or not you want to parody this is kind of a bad move. This is kind of it's a It's not the best look. I'll it's, give you that. It's not the best look. There's there's scenes that are played dead serious but then become hilarious like when uh, Diana gives birth to William and Prince Charles says I'm holding our son he sings darling I'm holding our son so let me say jolly well done (laughs) I mean that would be like you know what for me I'd be like round of applause like (laughs) an entire salvo it'd be like you know what fuck it if I could clap right now and just exit this theater, can I get my money back? Oh no, I can't. All right. Oh my god, yeah, and you can you can watch the whole thing on Netflix. There, it's it's like the rare musical that begs the question: Why does my Princess Diana musical have so many f bombs in it? <laughs> and yeah. um... that's that's that, yeah, that's terrible. And, like, because they they talk about like the sexy dress that she wears, yeah. And then get back at her husband, and then they have a whole song about the fuck you dress. And, yeah, yeah. It's then there's like what there's like her fantasy sequence where she's like rocking out while she's at like a a, a, at a classical concert with Charles, and in her fantasy sequence, oh jeez, rocking out, and she's making Charles break dance, and she's singing about like yeah raven red give it up for adam and it's like you're you really need to see this show in order to people have called it like this looks like a sketch from 30 rock this doesn't look real i i have to agree it's more like a (laughs) parody of bad broadway musicals than a real broadway a lot of the songs do sound like 80s pop because they were written by one of the guys in bon jovi it's but really? even seriously, Bon Jovi, is that it? Yeah. It's like, how many ways can I slip my wrist? All right, well, I'll do a Viking thing and just put it on the uh, Salier or whatever it is. So, uh, that is a no-go, I would think. I think I think if if you're someone like me who loves things that are so bad they're good again i i wanted to see the show just to see what it was like you know because I, I had netflix i wasn't paying any extra for it it was just there for me to watch um and then i heard about all the controversy so i had to watch it but like if you're like me and you, you love something that's so bad you can't look away check it out if you don't go watch the movie with Kristen stewart because i heard it was pretty good so i mean i only want to watch that because I'm just kind of 
curious of like what that would look like. The weird thing with that, and I don't know if I've told this on a podcast or not, is that the first uh, trip abroad I ever went was when I was, I'm going to say like around 12. Mm-hmm. And my mother said, uh, she, she was a music teacher. She was like, well, where do you want to go now? As, and it's kind of awkward to be like a student in your own mother's school. Sure. But, but the thing is that she had a record player. Mm. And so, and she would, obviously she had to bring me home and take me back and, or uh, take me to school and take me back. And she had a shit ton of Beatles records. Oh, nice. So I would always listen to the Beatles records. Like when school ran out, I, like I would just put on the headphones, like big fluffy 60s headphones, and I would just zone out after I was done with band and went on. Uh, but she's like, well, where do you want to go? And I, I was really super obsessed in like the sixth, seventh grade with the Beatles. So I'm like, I want to go to England. Can you make that happen? Cool. And she's like, she's like, all right, fine. So we went to England and whatnot, and it was a beautiful trip because we went to England, Scotland, and Wales. Oh wow! On the entire on the entire trip, me and my brother and my mother. But it was just one of those things where it, we, if we had been a tinge later we would have seen because this was two weeks before the death of Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. So she was like, I'm glad we went there because we were to go to the, like the, the castle and everything like that. She's like, imagine if we had been there two weeks later. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there is one thing that I do want to ask though. Yeah. Had you watched Spider-Man? Oh, you mean uh, No Way Home? Spider-Man? Yeah. I was going to say, he's been in a few movies, Rob. Maybe we could narrow it down. <laughs> um, I think so. I really want to um, because I love Alfred Molina and the fact that he came back. Is... Yeah, we all know like what's going on. It's just, I, I was, I for one was overjoyed. It was like, oh my god, that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. I I, I would like to see Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I just, I am, I am not, I am not a cool kid and I haven't seen Marvel movie. So I'm a little, I would like to watch it at home in case I don't understand what's going on. And then I can pause the movie That's and fine. then I, I can Google stuff that I'm not up on because I haven't, that's why I didn't watch WandaVision because I hadn't seen every Marvel movie. So, uh, that's you know, you, honestly, you don't have to see every Marvel movie to enjoy WandaVision. WandaVision actually, and I think a lot of people will disagree with me, is my favorite one of Disney Plus thus far because it does like a different thing each time. Yeah, I mean, I thought the kind of uh genre bending that mm-hmm. they did at with uh. And even, you know, going through different time periods, that was all very interesting to me, but I thought I would be out of the loop because I don't... No, you know, fuck that. You could still enjoy it. 
Okay. My mom calls WandaVision that show Max Headroom is on. <laughs> because my mother doesn't know who anyone in Marvel is. She doesn't yeah. know comic books. She never read mm-hmm. any. So who my mother thinks Vision is. She says, that's the show Max Headroom is on. I'm like, yes, mom. And <laughs> I will honestly ask, though, because we were talking about like musicals and whatnot. Are you a Sondheim fan? I am, yeah. I yeah. am. I'm a Sondheim head, too. Did oh, you yeah. know there is going to be a Sondheim movie? Oh, you mean a movie about his life? Mm. No. They already had, like, movies about his life. No. They're going to do Merrily Re- Roll Along. Oh, Mer- yes, I did hear about that with Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. did hear about that. And, but what have you heard about it? Well, I heard they're going to do it like Boyhood, so they can yes, actually yes, Boyhood, yes. The time skip. They're going to mm-hmm. actually do the time skip, which is going to be yep. very interesting. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think other than Boyhood, I don't think a lot of films have ever attempted doing the time. No, skip he, Boyhood in- was like, it's like I'm surprised he got Boyhood done. Yeah, and I've watched it multiple times. I love it, but it's just one of those things where like that's such a like a ballsy thing to do. It's very ballsy to do it with Merrily We Roll Along, which, like a lot of Sondheim shows, has a very devoted cult following, but Mm. unlike a lot of his shows, it was a very big bomb. Because he had a lot of shows that were not successful, but they were very critically successful and won lots of awards. But Merrily, even when it came out, even though Mm -hmm. people even though lots of people love it and continue to produce the show, a lot of critics, when Merrily came out, did not like the show. Even if they liked the music, they said uh, the story is very hard to follow and the characters' motivations are not clear. So yeah. it will be interesting to see how people respond to the film because there's still a lot of love for the material despite that discrepancy and having... I, I, I've, I've watched... Uh, you know, I've watched amateur productions of the show. I've mm-hmm. heard the music and I understand why people maybe didn't quite warm up to this the way they do other material by Mr. Mm-hmm. Sondheim, but it will be interesting to see how the critics and how the public responds to this, especially with the uh, the sort of uh, gimmick or easy in of that, oh, we're going to do the time skip, but it's going to be in real time. So, I mean, do you think it's a gimmick, though? I don't... I think it looks more like a gimmick because we know Boyhood is a movie that did this and exists. I mean, have you seen his trilogy? You mean Richard Linklater? Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. So but I'm, I mean, what I'm gonna, what I'm saying, Rob, is I think people are going to compare it. To uh, they probably will. Can't say that they won't. <laughs> I can't. I'm not saying it's a gimmick in and of itself, but I think that's because mm-hmm. you know people yeah. people not necessarily want to, it's not like a tentpole movie or anything. So I think people are going to try to compare it to something people like your average person on the street yeah. is going to try compare it to something that they have already heard of. So I mean, the weird thing is that Linkletter is a weird like I love his dialogue. Mm-hmm. I adore his dialogue. But mm-hmm. I think that, and this is this might come as like a weird thing, but I don't think he's a filmmaker. I think he's like an artist. In, in this is gonna come off like 
I, I immediately when like the breath that I said that left my lips. Now, I mean, I think that this dude is an artist. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between artist and filmmaker. Mm-hmm. This guy is a painter. And I mean, the last thing that I've actually seen to have said that would have been a, fa- a Phantom Thread. Oh. Yeah, I could see why you would say that about Phantom Thread. I could, I could <laughs> see that. Why? Because I like fashion? Okay. Fuck no, me. because no, I thought no. it was a... a... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm, te- I'm teasing you back. You just can't see my face. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I was going to say because I thought the film looked painterly, but, you know, that works yeah, too. Yeah, it did. Well, uh, big, bright colors and very strong lines. The lighting. Yeah. yeah the lighting. And honestly, that's how I like to write, too. It's one of those things where it's kind of like, all right, have something messy. You can clean it up easily. Sure. You could easily just take it to the tailor, i.e. editor, and just have it tighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Words are still there. The intent is still there. Yeah. But maybe you just need a little bit tight- tightening up. That's what Josh... <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to Joss Whedon. That's what he uh-huh. doesn't fucking understand. Joss Whedon doesn't seem to understand that whatever he does is not a one-man show. <laughs> he's not, like, he's not a, like, the funny thing is he's not a good writer. I don't think I, he is. I agree with you, but I would like to uh, know your rationale in saying so. I am not, I don't, I definitely don't disagree with you, but I would just like to hear you expand on My expounding is that I can't think of, like, anything that I've quoted of him. Mostly I hear other people uh, quoting stuff from Firefly. Not as much as they used I mean, to. Maybe Firefly. Alright, that's fine. But outside of that, like, can you actually quote a good Joss Whedon quote from a script? I can quote lines that he wrote, but I don't think they're good. I think they sound... Again, it's like I'm not I'm not talking about you, Mr. Linklater. I'm not talking about you, Mr. Sondheim. I I think a lot of his stuff sounds gimmicky because he's like trying to be cute and he's like trying to be funny, but I yeah. it, like I, I would describe it as twee. Like I think yeah. I think and and not in a good way like how like uh, how they describe certain describe certain types of music as twee. I would mm-hmm. you know like we in a bad way like here's like uh here's a velvet painting i bought at a gas station of a baby duck like that that's twee yeah you know now because i mean sometimes i i do that myself i do twee lines mm-hmm. kind of poetic lines and it's kind of like who, who the shit cares uh, but have you watched yellow jackets <laughs> You know, I had a feeling we were going to talk about this. Um, well, because I did coverage on it, so why wouldn't yeah, I that's talk about it? Yeah, uh, let's let's. I I only saw the pilot because I had been meaning to watch the show, but I was like caught up. I was caught up with a lot of stuff. Cause like um, I was caught up with a lot of stuff, but I was like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch the pilot. So I did watch the pilot two days ago because I really wanted to watch the show. It sounded interesting. It had two of my favorite actresses of all time in it, which were Christina Ricci and Melanie Linsky, who I yes. both 
absolutely love, always have. Oh, always. that's gorgeous. And, you know, I mean, God, Melanie Linsky was a star in her very first movie. She was a star in her very first movie, Heavenly mm-hmm. Creatures. My favorite yes. all time. And I think it's funny, Rob, how you talk about the first time you went abroad and you went to England because that was also my first trip abroad. I was six. And believe it or not, uh, Guess, guess, uh, guess who I ran into at the airport? It was Christina Ricci, who was in the bathroom washing <sighs> hands. And I really? had just, I, it was right after Casper had come out. And I had just, oh, wow. I had just seen the movie. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. And I also loved The Addams Family. So, of course, I recognized her right away. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I was washing my hands at the sink next to her. I smiled at her. She <laughs> smiled at me. That was mm. that was my one claim to fame, and I knew it was oh, her. Oh, that's I said awesome! My, I said to my mom, "Mom, the, the girl from Casper's in the bathroom." And my mother said, well, "That does look like her." Then the next day, you know, when we landed in England, the next day mm. we turned on the TV, and she's in a talk on a talk show in London, and we're staying in London. And my mother was like, "Guess that was her on the plane." <laughs> so you know, it all comes back. Oh, that's also. awesome! I like how we did that, Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we did it. We did it. Did it. it we did it yeah i watched the pilot i i there's a lot of potential here i'm really curious as to where this is gonna go honestly you're gonna be in for a ride i will say that you're just you know what take the seatbelt off on the yeah. airplane just let it flow it's definitely gonna be gonna be some high highs and low lows i'll tell you that yeah <laughs> You have no clue. But the one thing that I can say that is not spoiling anything is that they have a ton of 90s songs on these I noticed that. I noticed that just from the first episode because it's like a high school party. Oh, here comes some sick beats, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like a throwback. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. Just the throwback that you never really wanted. <laughs> Certainly not in the position of these characters. No, of course not. Oh my gosh, but I love, I love, it, it's very weird. It's this sort of, uh, it's this, I would describe the aesthetic based on the pilot as sort of Daria meets the Wicker Man, and... Actually, that is going from the first season to the or uh, from the first episode to the last episode and doing writing reviews of it it's not actually too far off yeah i uh, i like the juxtaposition of like this um you know it's serious but it's very it's very grounded in situations that the audience can understand mm-hmm. and then you have this very like surreal atmosphere which feels very much like the wicker man or some movie like the holy mountain where they're mm-hmm. in the woods and they have the the skins and the antlers and everything and it was like yeah. oh i haven't i haven't actually seen anything with this kind of contrast in it before so that's that's quite interesting and they have a great cast so that's that's mm-hmm. quite interesting. well and i personally have a big interest in it only because i used to play soccer in high school so it was just kind of like, all right, I get where these people are coming from. I get each and every position, which where in with they play, mm-hmm. which is weird. Like I, I could be like, oh, well, you know, I'm the sweeper. You're the forward. 
you could do this, that. That's interesting. I, 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 I do not. I have not played the sports ball myself, but I imagine you would have a lot more perspective on uh, the. Yeah because again i've only seen the pilot but i mean they take they do take that topic very seriously oh, you never played sports i'm not i'm not coordinated i i i didn't have I, i'm not i'm not coordinated and i was never i never had much of an interest. i am learning to fence now actually i started just started that's fencing. awesome that's awesome yeah i just started so i'm, I'm learning to fence which is really cool so oh god I'm, oh god yeah i'm gonna get my i'm gonna get my foil very cool that's but no. awesome as a kid i'm pretty sure i have undiagnosed adhd because as a kid i just couldn't sit i just like couldn't pay attention yeah and, like just like do drills on literally anything so mm-hmm. no i was not i was not <laughs> well I was not so you would person. you would fuck up a person like if you had a sword you'd be like you know what if they would be like on guard you'd be like you know it's over in a second so i think so i mean I, I think most of my friends would vouch for me on that <laughs> i would totally thank you appreciate that but uh no i think i think you have uh I, th- I think you would have an interesting knowledge of the show if you actually have played soccer you know well you've seen the first episode correct yes mm-hmm. okay you know i have like a weird it's not a direct connect from that but a story time for that mm-hmm. would you like to hear go, no go for it i'm a okay litter. okay so when you were watching the episode you saw the i'm not mistaken i'm trying to like in my mind see it um it would be like not a strikers um it would be a not a forwards um defender it would be a defender and she broke her leg yeah, yeah. I, uh... Okay, so I actually had that happen. Oh my god, to you? No, 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 no. I did that to them. Oh, Jesus. And it's funny because it <laughs> it was one of those things. Like, I guess I could laugh about that now. I shouldn't. But it was one of those things where I was a defender. And I was, like, super into you just being as much of a person on the field or on the pitch um, as possible and I kind of let that because I was doing that in like outside of school and whatnot Um, I let that inside of school Mm -hmm. and I basically broke somebody's uh, calf Oh my god. From slide tackling them. Jesus, that's awful. It it was, and I felt so bad. I would too. No, I I actually had a very bad uh leg fracture. Yeah. A, so that scene was a little a little difficult for me to watch. It yeah. was triggering, uh because yeah. it I I had a spiral fracture of my tibia, which is I think is like the worst type of a fracture that you mm-hmm. can have. It is, it is. But you wanna know the funny part though? Oh, let's hear it. The funny part is that, okay, the person was taken out off the field. Obviously, this person could not have the entire whole thing of school the entire year. So, the next year, I had math class. 
he had math class. He was better at math than me. Oh. But I sat right be right behind him. No way. Yeah. What are the odds of that? And he never left. <laughs> let me live that down. You found yourself in an awkward spot there, buddy. I know, but it, it, it wasn't like I didn't mean to do it. No, of course you didn't. Oh my god, you would you would never do something like that to someone on purpose. But um, yeah, I, I'm just saying it's an awkward it's an awkward situation. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it kind of resonates. That's the thing. Like we get. Like, all right, you have an injury, broken thing. I'll, be, uh, I'll walk it off. I'll walk it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I it could off. walk it off. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, say la vie. Oh okay. man. <laughs> Do you have another? Another topic? Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Um, okay. I know you're really into music, like me, mm. and uh, you love a good music documentary, as you were saying about Mr. G. I'm not sure of <laughs> his full yes. last name. Did you see the Sparks Brothers? Oh yes, I did. Oh my god, I I I love. I the love the Sparks. I love Sparks. Oh my god, if I, this if this is just gonna be an orgy fest because we we both love Sparks. Sparks is so. they're so amazing. Oh my god, I, we no, we we really sound like we're high on drugs right now. Do yourself a favor and go go on Spotify, and just listen to Sparks right Sparks now. Sparks is so goddamn good. They they, know, they really are that good, people. They really I, are. I don't know what it is about them. That's like the weird thing. They're totally unique. Like, in a way, they're every genre, but also no one genre. Yeah. They're genre. like every wave, but no wave. Yeah. I mean, and they were, they were so ahead of the curve when I first heard the songs from Number One in Heaven. Oh, somebody, yes. Yes. And somebody had said to me, What year do you think this album came out? I would have said, What, like 82? 83 and it's like no that came out in 1979 they were doing that before anybody yes. else yes that album came out in 1979 and like that is crazy and <laughs> the like the weird thing is that we're <laughs> I'm not saying we're losing people but <laughs> I do think that okay first of all you guys need to listen to Sparks. Yes. And the documentary is amazing. All and even say, if you don't know who Sparks is, watching the Sparks Brothers is actually a pretty good jumping off point because Oh, they're pretty they're pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a good jumping off point and you will learn if you don't know who the band is, you will learn a lot about the band and get a very good sense of who they are. So Oh, you know what? I do have to ask because I've wanted to ask before how was your New Year's? My New Year's was really fun because uh, I had a friend of mine come and visit me. He lives in PA and mm -hmm. uh, where he's uh, he's like my best male friend 
Uh, so he can't. He's a very cool guy. He's a independent uh, artist and a puppeteer, although he works at a well-known theme park. And uh, but he nice. builds his own puppets, and his name is Ben Stansbury, and he builds his own puppets. And like me, he does a lot of work for our friend Mr. Lobo, awesome. who is a well-known horror host and personality in the Pennsylvania area and his show Cinema Insomnia for which Ben and I have both contributed is nationally syndicated so that's cool um but Ben came to visit me and uh we spent three days together just watching a lot of really weird shit and going for the occasional walk and uh Mm. That was one of the nicest New Year's I ever had. I mean, like, you know, even even though I'm single, I've had lots of New Year's where I wasn't single. But um, the nicest New Year's I ever had were this one and another one that I spent about four years ago where it was, like, just me and three of my friends playing board games. So, <laughs> so I mean, there's a clear delineation. It's interesting. I don't know. It's just one of those holidays, I guess. Did you have a nice New Year's? Please excuse your audience for Roxy and I had a slight break. And uh, when we were to come back, um, I forgot to put on the record button. So we're in the midst of talking about karaoke, which I had done, obviously, on New Year's Eve. So we'll be talking about karaoke as well. Thank you very much. ...of this performance and the like one of the funniest people I know. So... The commitment to the performance is really what made it, but um, I think I think honestly I feel like one of the highlights was when we sang "Gangsters Paradise," but we just sang the lyrics to "Amish Paradise" by Weird Al. <laughs> that I was mean, a real highlight for me. I mean, the fact that you could actually sing that or rap that is actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. Even if I have to sound like Larry David, but. It's just like one of those things where it's kind of like, all right, if you know your strength, you know your strength. So, yes, I uh, sang coffee and TV and karaoke, but it was one of those things where these people are like, all right. And even my girlfriend was saying, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Oh. And I will give you two guesses. Uh, Not not one guess, not three guesses, two guesses on what my wholehearted, like, go all over the room thing would be. You mean what song? Yeah, what song? What song? Oh, um... That's hard to... It's hard, it's hard to tell. I mean, you have, you have, like, a lot... You have a lot, like, a... You have your hand in so many different things. You like a lot of, a lot of music. So, um... I'm gonna go with maybe, like, a karaoke standby of some kind. Like, Don't Stop Believin' or, like, some song like that. Like, one of the, one of those things that, like... Every, and everybody in the club gets to their feet. And everybody sings along. Like, one, one of those things, you know? Like, maybe, like, Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that. Okay, those two guesses. And you're so far off. Okay, I had a feeling I might be, but let's hear it. Smooth Operator by Sade. Okay, how did that go? It always goes swimmingly. Okay. I love Sade. Like, I love, love, love Sade. So, every time that I can do Sade, 
then I will do it. That's awesome. Or the Smiths. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, that's always fun. And, like, I think my voice register goes on that. So. I mean, they're not going to do any Joy Division. Radio. No, no, I don't, I don't, you don't hear much Joy Division on karaoke. I mean, no. I'm there's like, there's a really good reason for that. There is. I mean, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be the weirdo walking in. Yeah, have Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson. It's like, yeah. what the, like, it's like, get out of here, you insane person, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or something like by Bonnie Tyler. Although oh, that man. would be that would blow your vocal cords out. Oh my god, we we tried we us four us five five people of the female ish persuasion. Dashboard. We we sang we tried to sing "Holding Out for a Hero." That was our oh, last wow. song. It was our Jeez. last song of the night. That was a mistake because our voices were shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like by the end of the night, it's kind of like you can't even sing right. It's and like the the vocal onslaught that mm. is holding out for "Hero" by Bonnie Tyler. We just our shields could not repel vocalizations yeah. <laughs> of that magnitude. Yeah, it's funny because I tried a Kanye West song and like maybe three seconds into it I'm like no I, I don't remember well like, obviously remember. obviously Jesus yeah. was not with you with, <laughs> is with Kanye Jesus right? did not walk with me at that Jesus point. didn't walk with that there's your problem <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm an atheist Jesus was not by my side oh nuts <laughs> <laughs> but it, like the funny thing is that certain things certain songs everybody would get into like oh yeah love fool by oh man that's a ni- <laughs> that's a 90s song right there you yeah. want like a classic 90s song there yeah. you go and <laughs> it, like certain things that it's kind of like okay all right we can we can do this and then comes the bell and it's kind of like oh oh <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> oh my. My one friend. Uh, she wanted to do Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. <laughs> Nine to Five. That's a good song. That's a great song. It was like you want people to rally around you. Everybody loves Dolly. Nobody. Every. It's a fact. Everybody loves her. So. Mm-hmm. So uh, when is your birthday? I'm kind of curious. Oh, okay. Uh, December fifteenth. December fifteenth. So you're just out of Capricorn. Yeah, I'm a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm a Capricorn. So. Okay. And I, I... I was just curious only because I'm like, oh, what did you do for your birthday? Yeah, we uh, we got takeout and ate it at my place, but then we went to go sing karaoke for three hours, which was very cool. Yes. Uh, and uh, I got... Uh, my friend got me the Sparks album I wanted, which was the soundtrack to Annette, which was awesome. It was a great birthday. I got you that. That's kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someday I want to own every Sparks album on vinyl, and I already have two. So I have that, and I have a steady drip, drip, drip. So just... Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they came with posters too. They both they have posters of uh, the album covers inside, which look really cool, and I might frame them. They're just really uh, bitchin'. So, and I obviously imagine that you have a 
good record player? I am a pretty good record player, yeah. The uh, I got it about three years ago from the guy I was uh, dating at the time. It was a really nice, sweet, thoughtful gift mm-hmm. that he gave me the Wacoder. Um, and oh, it's got, okay. yeah, it's got Bluetooth. It's not, I'd, I'd like to get like some fancier speakers for it, but it's mm-hmm. got Bluetooth and, uh, it's, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Weirdly enough, like my record player is not that cool. I used to DJ back when I was in high school. So. Oh, have... that's cool. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. That doesn't surprise me about you though. <laughs> Why? No, because you're really into music. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again... That's a good son, reason. <laughs> son of a music teacher, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I used to DJ in high school a little bit, and I had two turntables and a microphone. They, thank you. Everybody yes. mentally filled that in, including me. Yes, but actually two turntables like in a mixer and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'd go back and forth and scratching and stuff like that. But like in this moment in my life, I'm like, well, I can only have one turntable. I could just listen to that stuff. And, and no and no microphone. And no microphone. And no scratching. <laughs> but <laughs> But I like to listen to things. And I love love listening to vinyl so my birthday gift to myself technically was and i don't know if you're going to i don't know if you know this album but there's a a group called the avalanches i've heard of them they are doing a 20th i think a reunion on that and they're doing pretty interesting things with their album so, kind of bought that for myself. That's I mean, really I, cool. Yeah, I love different, especially when it comes to spinning on the turntable. I love like really pretty colors. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but oh no, no, that's not stupid at all. I got so many colored records recently. I feel really spoiled. Like a steady drip, drip, drip. That's on blue vinyl. I got. Mm-hmm. I got from my from my aunt. My aunt was like, "What do you want for your birthday, sweetie?" And you know, because like, <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm like my my cousins are easy. Again, I'm like a fucking weirdo from Planet Shit for Brains, and I'm like, <laughs> I want I want a copy of Big Science by Laurie Anderson. Oh my I'm god, that's to, awesome! Yeah, my obsession with all things relating to Laurie Anderson. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to just be her. She's just so rad. Oh, and, she is. She is. I got, but I got that, and that's on red vinyl. My friend got me the tie-in soundtrack to the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy, which is done in character by Linus Roach as his character from the film, and that's okay, on purple now vinyl. Now I'm fucking jealous. Oh, I knew. I had a feeling you probably liked that movie. Yeah, yeah. My friend I'm who came to visit me for New now. My friend who came to visit me for New Year's, he got me the Jeremiah Sand album. I have the Jeremiah Sand album. It's on purple vinyl. It is very cool. <sighs> That's so cool. Although, you should come hang out sometime, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think that I have something that I'm never going to give up. But, 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 and there is a very big but on that end. There is a record that you might want that I will never, never give up. And what is that? It is the, actually two. 
Um, My Little Pony, the original. Oh, uh, man. All I can say is... Uh, all, all, I, all I can say is, Kenny G, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> and what? No, it's like a picture record, like from when I was a kid. Oh, I love those. Mm-hmm. And the second is Rainbow Bright. I loved Rainbow Bright when I was a kid. My babysitter and that had every is a Rainbow picture record. Bright. That's cool. I, I'm not going to give that up. Because I used to listen to that all the time. On my, I actually had a Rainbow Bright record player. I wish I didn't give it up, but that that honestly is a really cool thing to have. I love Rainbow Bright. My babysitter had every Rainbow Bright toy growing up, including mm-hmm. the, she had like the car, she had like the can. I used to love going to her house and playing with those for hours and hours. Oh, that's so cool, Rob. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's why I have I have an immense record collection. So, I mean, I mean, if we get together, we could maybe exchange records. I have a shit ton. So, that's awesome. I have I have slightly more than I need, but not not a shit ton. Oh my god, Rob. I bet you went to Vintage Vinyl, didn't you? Oh yeah, of course. Oh God! When that clo- I can't believe vintage vinyl. Oh was yeah, that was I'm, a that was a travesty. I am not. And I a th- I'm not emotionally ready to live in a world without vintage vinyl. People are like, you know, hmm. Will life return to normal? I'm like, who cares? Vintage <laughs> vinyl isn't here anymore. But There's nothing but, to go back to. But but <laughs> there is the Princeton Record Exchange. Prison Record Exchange is great. If you've been to Randy's Man Cave in Bordentown, that yeah. place mm-hmm. oh, that place is tight. I love yeah. Randy's Cave. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, do you like the residents? I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't know who the residents are. Okay, you don't uh... <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't listen to them. Okay. I, um... I have no idea. I mean I would, but I have no Oh idea. wow, no, okay. They're they're very cool. They're very weird. They're like this they're like this art rock. I guess you'd call okay, them art. You, you know, you sold me on art rock. <laughs> so. they, nobody, nobody's ever seen their faces collectively in public. They always perform okay. their faces obscured. A lot of They're famous for wearing masks that look like big eyeballs. Okay. And hey, that's their, awesome. Their songs sound like stuff David Lynch would mutter to himself while he's trying to sleep. So, yeah. You had me sold at David Lynch. Yeah, so that's that's the residents. I, I got there's a good documentary about them too. So check them out sometime. Okay, okay, and for all you listeners, check them the fuck out too. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. But uh, no, God, I can't believe vintage vinyl is gone. Vintage vinyl was uh, an no, it was a staple. Did you ever? Did you ever go to an, like a concert there? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah a couple just... of times. Who'd you see? I don't honestly remember. I was like a teenager. Okay, no, I was just I was real I was really really curious. That's all. Yeah. Uh, my best friend, uh, who I've mentioned who I've mentioned uh, several times <laughs> during this podcast. Um, hi Rose. Uh, we we went there when we were in college, and uh, we actually got to meet Ronnie James Dio like the year before. Oh he died. really? Wow. Yeah. 
he was doing a signing of Heaven and Hell. Their their the project he did with most of the guys from Black Sabbath. He was signing their live album. And he uh, seems like a sweetheart. He was such a sweet man. He definitely definitely uh, a very young soul and an older person's body. Just a mm. very very yeah. very much of the playful trickster going on with him and. Yeah. He was really sweet. We got to meet like Geezer Butler and Tony Iommi and the guys. Oh, really? There, wow. That was that was just a red letter day. It was very, 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 that, very. Cool. That is awesome. Geezer Butler and Tony Iommi. So like the, the <laughs> wow. That was so cool. The best part is that that was right after the Dark Knight came out. The movie mm-hmm. two thousand eight. Yeah. Right after it came or came out, yeah. and I I had just seen the movie and I really loved it. And you know, I and you know I'm I'm just so edgy. I had uh, <laughs> I had a shirt on with Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, mm-hmm. I had I had my my t-shirt on and you know because I, I was like wearing all black. You know, seemed like the thing to wear. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Geezer looks at my shirt and he says, "I love your shirt. Love the Joker. Love Two Face." And uh, <laughs> Dio looks at him and says, eh, film critic. <laughs> and that that was my encounter. That <laughs> rock greatness. That is awesome. And you can't replicate a moment like that. I I absolutely cannot. It was just it was Heath Ledger, my friend Rose, Dio, Geezer, and me. Like all the things beautiful. were in place. The the plan the planets aligned on that one, let me tell you. Oh God, that's so. Mm. Ah, that's so cool. Um, and now there is one thing that I did want to ask. Oh yeah, because we talked about Joss Whedon and mm-hmm. whatnot, and the toxic filth that is in them. Now yeah. let's talk about something wholesome. Cool. Now, have you ever watched Joe Parrot Talks with you? No, I haven't. Do you even know what that's about? Uh, I don't, but I'm, I just, you know, I, I just told you about the resident, so it's your <laughs> oh, turn. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Drop <laughs> some knowledge on me. Um, Joe Parrot Talks with you, um, you know what, I, I actually want to, let's see if I share this with you. It's an amazing amazing series Eh, well maybe you know i'm just gonna talk about it with you okay so joe para is a very mild-mannered guy in middle america and he just tells you how to do things like build a chair or get your water right or do this or do that it's the dumbest thing the dumbest concept ever, but he's an amazing, an amazing writer, an amazing comedian. I could definitely see myself getting into that, yeah. I, I'll i be honest, like, the last uh, episode that he had done, mm-hmm. it made me weep for, like, a good half hour. Well, what did he talk about? I, well... The last season was about um, his grandmother dying. So it was kind of like just how to 
package, I guess, that up with the death of somebody. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, this new season or this current season, I think, started off with him trying to shop for a chair with somebody, and it ended up with him and his girlfriend. Um, he built a chair in one of his episodes, so he whittled literally a chair and. She was like, well, you want to go out? Like, I feel depressed and whatnot. And he was like, okay, well, I could bring this chair. And I bought this house for you. And we could sit on this chair together. Yeah, I'm, uh, ha. Huh. Yeah, I'm also Googling this. And, like, I kind of, I kind of, I'm kind of getting a better sense of the approach that yeah. he's doing, uh with this and it definitely sounds really interesting like something i would like to check out because i like the kind of more esoteric stuff that adults mm-hmm. so this seems like uh it would be and more... it's on adult swim so you know they have good content i love i love that show the shivering truth nobody ever talks oh, about she... oh my god Oh, I mean, that's, that's just balls to the wall god. insanity, but oh it's so well animated. fucking god. The nobody nobody ever, t- I'm like, why is no one talking about no, this no, no, shit? Dude, it's crazy. Dude, 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 the shivering truth is my, <laughs> is my jam. Right? It's. It, I was like, well, how come nobody's talking about this show? <laughs> uh, because it's kind of creepy. No, it's disturbing as hell. But I mean, uh, but like, you know, as as I've said several times during the course of this little chat that we're having, it's like I'm not a normal person. It's, it's, what's what's the Jughead saying that me? In case you haven't noticed, I'm a weirdo. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm not like, a yes, it's person very disturbing. Well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very disturbing. That's what makes it interesting. But it's very disturbing. Did you actually, and well, now that we're going kind of like I'm transitioning on Adult Swim, there was a series, I don't remember if it was the, wasn't the Unshivering Truth, but it was like a guy just falling through like the, his, his, not ceiling, but his floor. I think this did happen on the Shivering Truth. Like, he just... Doesn't he fall through, like, the earth at one point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, he just keeps so going that and was. Like, he keeps going yeah, and then he comes, he comes back around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's like, guys, you... I don't know. I like weird shit like that, so... I do, too. I like really weird shit. And I loved how you were talking about how you saw pink flamingos when you were very young. And yeah. you instantly got this affinity for divine and it makes me laugh because i first learned about pink flamingos from my uncle and my uncle is the person mm. who into david lynch and all this weird shit because oh, no, God. nobody else nobody else in my family yeah. is really into that stuff but my uncle is my uncle is the first person i knew mm-hmm. who enjoyed those things and taught me about them and uh I remember when I went to see the musical Hairspray when I was very young, my uncle was like, I saw a movie that was made by the guy who created Hairspray. It was called <laughs> Pink Flamingos. And, like, he had a giant eraser head poster in his oh, office. Okay, that's all you need to know. He gave, no, but he he gave me that poster, which was yeah. really sweet. Oh, I said that's it. awesome. 
he was getting rid of it and I said to him can I have it and he, he let me have it which was really sweet of him but I I, appre- I I think I get my love of like weird disturbing things from him so mm, yeah no I could <laughs> I could see that and you know what if somebody is a fan of Dave Lynch they're a fan of me and if they're going to be, then I'm a fan of them. I agree. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, oh man, I'm just no. I just like we could probably do another show where we just talk about David Lynch and things that I would like that are, are in so just, would like, like that in that wheelhouse. Like, hey, if you like David Lynch, you might like this, and like then I could talk about the residents or something. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know what? You know, mark that down. We could do okay. this. Okay, Captain. I would love to to do to walk more or fire walk with me in David Lynch. So awesome! No, I think this is a great idea. I think we should really hit hit that hard. That would be very cool. Although, I am going to say, um, and if you don't mind, uh, I'm gonna kind of leave it within like the next half hour. Sure. Okay. No, that's totally cool. Uh, what is the most upsetting movie that you've seen thus far? Ever. Ever. Howzu. Howzu. Have you ever seen that Japanese horror movie? House. Oh, House. Oh, oh, uh, the the sixties or seventies one. I think it was made in the seventies. Yeah, but it's like yeah. you know, a weird cat. Yeah, girls. yeah, yeah. Okay. Heads a watermelon. Yeah. It's, it's like if you even see three seconds of this film, you'll never mistake it for any other film. No. Ever. Yeah. I I was kind of like wondering uh, what because I only saw it as house. Yeah. I I should say I I dated a guy. For, I had a, a serious relationship with somebody, and that, that was one of their favorite movies ever. And they always pronounced it as Houseu. So I sort of, you know, they always refer to it by the Japanese title. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of, you know, that's that's what I call it in my mind. Oddly enough, I would say mine would be... Because I've seen I Spit on Your Grave uh, multiple times. Oddly enough. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty... Br- I haven't seen the movie, but everything I've heard about it. It's pretty uh, that's pretty brutal. Um, and I've seen a Serbian film. Oh damn! You're not kidding around. No, but it, it, oddly enough, the one thing that disturbs me the most is I'm gonna have to think about that for a moment. I'll just I'll explain why I said Howzu because I know okay. a lot of people find the movie fun. They find it funny, and I I definitely get what you're saying at with the most disturbing and messed up film because of the films that you're talking about are more about more realistic atrocities committed by people and yeah, of, course, of course that's way more disturbing than anything that could be of a fantastical nature but to me Howzu to me Howzu was upsetting because like there in a lot of other films about disturbing things like I don't know like Blue Velvet, for example. There's like oh, there's Velvet. moments yeah. of re- of of calm. There's mm-hmm. moments of respite. Even even I haven't. I mean, I haven't seen Cannibal Holocaust or like one of any of the movies that yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah. 
like here's a, a movie that I think can be a little disturbing if you've never seen it or if you don't yeah. really like horror movies is the original Evil Dead. But like mm. it starts out like if you're not expecting it, especially with the the rape scene, um, it's mm. pretty brutal. But yeah. it starts out somewhat normally. In house, not nothing is normal ever. There's no ground zero of reality. There's no starting point. Everything mm-hmm. in the film is already yeah. so distorted and off and weird and just not right that you you've instantly stepped into a fever dream. And there's mm-hmm. no hope of escape. The closest feeling I can get to watching this film is and remember is enjoying a certain substance that is legal now and like yeah. when you realize when you realize you ate a few too many of those candies and you can't get to the and you're like oh what was i doing all right i was trying to dial the phone and then what it seems like mm. yeah. two hours later you still haven't dialed the phone that's what Hauzu feels like to me it's actually you know what you... disorienting I know what I'm going to say right now. Okay. The 1960s version of Suspiria. Oh, yeah, that's a very disorienting uh, film where it's it's like uh, every, everything's slightly off, mm-hmm. you know? And I it's mean, a classic even, film. It is, and, and like, even, even the gore, because it's like, man... Like, blood is red, but that's red, red, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's what I kind of like about it, because oh, it's I, yeah, yeah. weirdly fashionable, and... No, it's like, very... It's, I'm, I'm I think it pantones sometimes. It's a very stylish film. Yeah. It's a very stylish film. It has a, ver- a great... It's a beautifully shot film. It has a very kind of delicate, refined look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all, but it's also very out there at yeah. the same. And I love, I love Jessica Harper. I would watch her do anything. So. Oh, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Now I won't see. Possibly, there's time. <laughs> That's the thing. There's time. I mean, we could all think of horrible films. I would think, you know what? My most horrible film that I would not like to watch anymore is The Blair Witch Project. Really? Because I hated it so much. <laughs> that, really? You hated it that much? Wow. I've actually never seen The Blair Zucked. It was like a whole build up for nothing. Not, yeah. not, my, not my thing. Oh, God. Like me, when I first saw M. Night Shyamalan's The Village in high school, I was, like, prepared for the most terrifying movie of all time, and I'm sitting there watching, like, yo, that's it? What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that's the thing. It's kind of like, did I actually pay money for this? Come on. No. Not although they are trying to do that with Archive 81, which is supposed to be like found archives and shit like that VHS tapes and I don't know. I love I love the search for lost media that's a a really we could do a whole talk about. Oh we should uh, yeah I love I love lost media it's um it's so fascinating to me Uh, I could I could talk to you a lot about lost media 
really get like a two hour thing about that. But I love I love when people talk about preservation and stuff like that. That's cool. And like biker fish, everything like that. Okay, we could do that. That's totally cool. Now, as we're ending this out, I'm just trying to see if there was any uh, documentaries that you wanted to see or any movies that you wanted to see. I really wanted to see House of Gucci, but I missed that. When it oh. was in... I bet you saw it, though. No, I did not. Oh, okay. I'm surprised. Um, <laughs> Why? No, because you're surprised? constantly like, I, you're like, I love fashion. I love fashion. You've been yeah, saying... I love Adam uh, Driver and Adam Driver. God, you saw Annette though, right? He's so good. Yeah, no, he's amazing. But I don't necessarily care about really Scott too. Oh, I get that. Um, all right, I wanted to see that. Um, what else do I want to see? Um, there's got to be a few. Oh yeah, there's got to be. A... I saw Nightmare Alley. Oh, do you know that Guillermo del Toro is, like, going around the country doing the 1920s version of it with the black and white? That's so cool. I would like that. Like, that's the only way I will see it. It sounds pretty cool. Um, So you saw that. How was it, though? I really liked it a lot. I love, he's one of my favorite directors. It's him and Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Oh, that's the other movie I watched. Oh, Jean-Pierre. Okay. Which is Jean-Pierre's new movie, Big Bug, which looks mm-hmm. really weird, but it, real. No, it looks good. I, I saw that. He's, he's my favorite director and Guillermo del Toro is my other director. And uh, it'd be really hard for Guillermo to make a movie that I didn't, told that I completely disliked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked the movie. I thought it was a little long, and I thought maybe Rooney Mara's character could have been a little more well developed. But I thought, I thought it was a really beautifully made movie, and it had some great performances. And I thought it was brave of Bradley Cooper to play a really scumbag, unlikable character who you end up really hating by the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler. No, it's uh, not. But uh, I, I like when a- I like when actors are not afraid to play a really unlikable scumbag character, and I like when people don't shy away from that. Like they have a story about a character who's not necessarily sympathetic. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, karmic punishment helps too, and this movie has plenty of that. Uh, okay, Kate well, Blanchett... don't give anything of that away. Okay, I won't. Kate um, Blanchett is great. She. Oh, uh, I love her. She's a scene stealer, but she's a scene stealer in every movie, not just this one. That's um, true. And uh, I mean, it's 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 a really cool movie. If you like uh, like old film noir movies, that kind yes. of vibe. Yes. Yeah, I think anybody who likes that kind of vibe, go go check this movie out. It's very cool. I mean, did you know they actually shot this supposed to be in black and white? So, like, the actual, like, the greens and the other things that they had to use shit, shot against that was totally black and white. But the studios wouldn't apparently allow that. Studios are really funny about black and white. Like they're they're really scared of it. And 
then um that doesn't surprise me though because del toro is a director that has he has such an eye for detail he has such Mm -hmm. an eye for production design because i have i have some books about the makings of his movies including crimson peak and a lot of people like it's like if people like named his best films i don't know if they'd necessarily name that one although there are things in it that i really enjoy but like the what every bit of production design there was a reason for everything that he did and he's like now this this design here on the top of this wall represents this and like to know that he just went in with that insane kind of level of detail i have no trouble believing that he wanted to shoot nightmare alley in black and white he made sure everything would look right but then they said no so he said okay well it'll look good in color anyway i guess we'll just do it like that (laughs) oh the weird thing is that i think he didn't shoot it in black and white he shot it in like blues and greens because if you like put it back then and desaturate it it would look very much like black and white that's true you know how everybody says the or the opening half of the wizard of oz is in black and white but technically yeah. it's not black and white because it's sepia tone mm-hmm. sepia tone yep sepia mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry no 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 but i mean that's awesome that there's somebody that wants to just take hollywood back I love that. Yeah, you know, the reason he could never get At the Mountains of Madness made was because the studio just, like, just wasn't having the way he wanted to do it. He's like, well, I don't want there to be a love story, and I I think he wanted it to be in black and white, but I'm not sure. But he said, like, uh, yeah, and uh, it has to, it has to be like this, and there's not going to really be a lot of uh, scenes that really open up the movie. There's not going to be, like, a lot of big... Uh, action scenes or anything and it's going to be very cerebral and they really didn't like that because that sounded dangerously like a movie they wouldn't be able to market very easily. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. How can you market, like, oh, it's going to be a smart movie. I don't know. We have Marvel movies. Yeah, it's like, um, is this this Star Wars? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We know how to sell that. Could you maybe put Chewbacca in it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just put a Wookiee in it, and we're good. <laughs> just put Chewbacca in it anywhere. I'm sure, yeah, put put Baby Yoda in it, too. <laughs> then, then people will like it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to be honest. Love Star Wars in so much as, I mean, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to know. Before I say this. Yeah. I, <laughs> I am fine with Boba Fett or anything that is fine with that but i don't really give a shit about star wars no that i'm i i have to tell you it's just like i it's like i i understand that this is very popular i understand that people like it if they like it that's great i think they should enjoy it uh unless they're gonna so you're you're with me on this i'm with you i mean i think it's great people should it as long as they're not gonna harass people on the internet like they yeah, did but port- you could port- give a shit but like no i'm just like it exists it's fine it's like no it'll it'll go on without me it's okay it's fine mm-hmm. yeah, yeah exactly that and like it's like i get that everybody likes star wars but i like to see movies that are not like that because we have eight billion star wars movies already and eight 
billion Marvel right? movies, right? and like, and again, that's fine. I get why people like them. I just want something else. Yeah, you know, give me a fucking. I don't know what would be your if you were to propose something outside of Star Wars. Who me? Yeah. Like 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 in like general? another property. Oh, you mean like an established property? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Well, uh, I'd really like to see Peter Jackson do a reboot of The Frighteners, one of his uh, his first big Hollywood movies. Okay. You know that you have my total agreement with that. Because I think the fucking I think, Frighteners. I love that movie. It's definitely not a perfect movie. But we that that franchise like the the idea to continue that story had so much potential. Yes, yes, I. <laughs> I love the frighteners. So hitting like all all the T's. That's it. I love the fr- the movie has a great cast. It's it's got mm-hmm. I mean it's got it's got great direction from Peter Jackson. It's got a good uh, score, Danny Elfman. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yep. The effect, a lot of the effects actually hold up pretty well, despite being from 1996. It, yeah. I was like, you could just, I mean, Michael J. Fox plays a con man who can talk to ghosts, and he's got ghost friends. It's I like, know, seriously. It's like, Come on. why don't we have five movies of this? It's like. This should be a thing. This should be a slam dunk. It should be. But we're going on Sarlacc pits. I mean, <laughs> and I'm going to get a lot of hate from this, but I don't really give a shit about Star I don't give a shit about Star Wars. I it's, really don't. It, it's, it was fine in 1977. It's fine now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you, had like, you had a woolly bear. Okay. Call him a Wookiee. Call him Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah like, I, I've got to say, it's very hard for me to take Star Wars seriously at some points. Like, when we get moments like, I hate sand from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> or or Dune. Yo, oh my god. And the Shy Hulud. I, I love Dune. I don't like Oh, Star no, I Wars. love Dune, too. I Dune should have been, like, honestly, I'm, like, switch Dune with Star Wars. It should have been then, that. Then good. I could get that. I was like, you know, I was like, honestly, like, I would, I would, I would be like cool with that. I would be cool with that. I think Dune was always going to be more cerebral for people. Like, whenever people would ask me about Dune, you know, because like when the newer movie came out, everybody was like, "What is Dune?" And like they knew I had read the books, so they're like, "What? What is Dune about?" And I would yeah, say to them, forever. "It's." Kind of like it's not like Star Wars. It's more like Game of Thrones in space. Because yeah, they're like, what the fuck? And I was like, there's a lot of intrigue, and you have to know how all the characters relate to one another. And there's a million characters. Yeah. And everybody's out to betray everybody, mm-hmm. and and it's all about alliances and strategies. And if that doesn't really sound like your thing, maybe there's like a lot of other stuff that you could watch, but that's what Dune is. Yeah. And there's giant worms. But um, oh, yeah. what's hilarious is the way Lynch's Dune was marketed in 85 because people clearly thought they were getting a Star Wars type of a thing. Yeah, and they, but it wasn't Jadorowski's Dune. 
It was not. Jodorowsky's Dune would have been freaking insane. Oh my god! And like the people he wanted to put in the movie, like let's have Salvador uh, Geiger. Dali. I mean, he wanted H.R. Geiger, Geiger. Yeah, and he wanted yeah Geiger, and he wanted uh, Sepia Geiger and Sepia. But um, yeah, but uh, no, he want he wanted Orson Welles in the movie. He wanted Salvador Dali and Gloria mm-hmm. Swanson and David Carradine in space and like he's like yeah let's get uh let's get pig floyd to do the music for this let's get that guy mobius to design the movie. <laughs> it would, have been completely would that have been better or been worse in your mind though i think based on the script jordowski wanted to do Dune would have been a really fascinating movie that would have looked great and had some really interesting performances, and it would have been a a really artistic piece like a lot of his other films, like The Holy Mountain. However, I don't think it would have been very much like the book, because if you look at what he wanted to do, he's like, yeah, so then Paul has has a child with his mother, and everybody who's reading the book is like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, so he's he's a child with his mother. Uh, I just I know that's not in the book, but I just I just yeah. put that in there, and everybody says. Oh, I mean, there's what? a Remember shit ton that? of Dune books as well. Yeah. Though I do do want to pose this question to you, mm-hmm. which is: Is there an unbakeable, I guess, novel? Is there an unfilmable novel? That's unbakeable. Yeah, un- unfilmable. Because I know my answer, but. Um, uh, that's a very good question. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at my um, I'm looking at my bookshelf now, and I'm I'm thinking about it. Because um, there's only one. I'm very curious to know what your answer is. So I'm going to say that um, with with the device of like metafiction and breaking the fourth wall, you could kind of fudge a lot of novels into film existence but i'm very yeah. curious what your answer is oh well, you go for it um i i can't i honestly can't i can't think of one right now i can't okay think of... so i'll go for it so childhood's end oh okay arthur arthur clark right yes Okay. I've read it many times, and I don't think that it could actually be. It, they tried it before, but it just can't. No, it, it it's so super possible because it's one of those things where it has to be like a novel going on and going on and going on. I haven't read the book. I have heard about how the film there were people wanted to make a film for a long time and it never worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my only and this is going to be stupid, but my only thing is that they create a novel of what is the twenty twentieth realm of everybody, and then. Possibly a thousand years from now, they would create something else, but they would wipe it out and they would create something else. And then a thousand years from now, but it, like it's so hard because things are changing constantly. So it's one of those really, really hard novels to read because as we're evolving, we're being 
past present. Mm-hmm. I don't think does that make any sense. I think I'm sounding stupid right now. Maybe a little bit. I think it. I think what you said does make a little bit of sense. I think you said a little bit sleepy, but not. I, I, I think yeah. I'm still following. I think I've I've got the gist of what you're saying here. Um, just that because reality is changing and society and culture and technology and everything are always shifting yeah. then it's the the material that they're filming in order to adapt this would have to reflect that in this specific example but you're not able to realistically keep up with that is what you're saying exactly well that's what childhood ends is yeah so we could never keep up with which is kind of depressing well, that's life. It beats the alternative. That's life. It beats the alternative, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So, I mean, what is the alternative? I guess non-existence. Or, like, maybe we're living on a different plane. We could be. I mean, we don't know where consciousness originates from, technically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I mean, we know a lot about how the brain works. We know a lot about perception but we don't know necessarily where our interpretation of what we can perceive comes from so it could be that reality as we know it um is just uh just an interpretation in our minds and there's some other world outside of what we can perceive that we couldn't comprehend Unless we, like, left our physical bodies and went outside of them somehow. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, then I have to kind of go forward. And what are you looking towards in the new year? Uh, I want to finish by the first draft of my novel. That's what I want to do. Okay. I would like to create a blurb. Sure. <laughs> That's it. I'm creating a blurb for uh, one of my other writer friends. So I would. That love... would be really nice of you, Rob. I would. I would be really honored if you uh, if you do that for me. I and I will take the utmost respect and probably a good four lines of that within a poem. Okay, cool. But I would definitely love to do that. That would be really sweet of you. Thank you. You're quite welcome. I'm at, I'm at like, uh, my draft is like 92 pages long at this point, so. Okay, that's amazing. I would love to read. Thank you. I don't want anybody to read the, uh, the draft until it's complete, and then I'm going to give it to my friend who, uh, does a lot of editing for other people and I'm going to let uh-huh. her look at it and then 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 you can see it and then, yeah, then I have of to course. figure of yeah, course. then I then it I have to figure out how to promote it online obviously uh-huh. but well it would be my pleasure and my honor so thank you so much Rob <laughs> totally welcome I mean come on people Roxanne awesome awesome thank you awesome. thank you so are you Rob so are you you seem like you're always working on something. Let me say that. I, 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 I enjoy the works of yours that I have read. I enjoy them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
Oh, we're getting a little slap happy, as my dad used to say. You know what? Is there anything that song-wise you would like to leave our listeners on? Song-wise? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Because we're talking about final, talking about everything. We are. Let's let's uh let's let's leave them with some sparks. Let's leave them uh okay. let's leave them with some sparks. Did you have a song in mind? Because I I have one in mind. But if you have one in mind, it's your show. So, <laughs> you know we could do both in mind. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, and you will never know what they are until you listen to the very end of the episode. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to say Buona Notte? Uh, Buona Notte. Bonsoir, Buona Notte, and uh, Buona Sera. Buona Sera. <laughs> good evening. Yeah, good Good evening to you. Good. Ni- have a good night and take care of each other, dear listeners. Okay. Bonsoir.
On sait jamais, sur un malentendu, ça peut marcher. Je vous 